the most important thing is is not to give up, you know, and always look ahead. There's always a new opportunity. opportunity. There's always a new day and um, you can do better tomorrow. What gives us our edge? And how do we go beyond it? How thin is the line between taking part and tipping into victory? What inspires those moments of rare advantage, down to the millimeter, down to the microsecond, that change the shape of a race? Is it faith, talent, focus, or sheer determination? Are winners born or made? And what happens when things go wrong, or when it all goes right? Welcome to The Edge. We'll be talking to people operating at the very edge of possibility. From athletes to actors, and from artists to entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Theo van den Bruecke, and we'll be giving you the fuel you need to get in the zone and leave your limits in the dust. Watch out. This is The Edge, a podcast by Tag Heuer. Checo, it's wonderful to have you here at The Edge. Thank you so much for joining us. So you started racing in a go-kart when you were six and your brother was also a racer. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got into it and whether there was much of a competition between the two of you? Yeah, well, I started by, by, by let's say, <laughs> by mistake a bit. You know, I, my brother was into racing and uh, I was um, the younger one, so I, I wanted to, to, to always follow my, my brother's steps. And uh, yeah, it was pretty, pretty cool, really nice to, to look after... Um, my brother in that regard, because I was always uh, looking at his races, doing, looking at what he was doing right or wrong. And, and uh, I think that really helped me, you know, to understand and, th- and think like, okay, he's done wrong that one, he's done right this thing. And um, I think that really helped me to, to, to have a successful career in my early, in my early days. Of course. And then fast forward to a few years later, of course, and you became the first Mexican driver to start an F1 race in 30 years at the 2011 Australian Grand Prix. And obviously that kind of turned you into an icon in your own country. And I know you have an enormous following and there's a lot of activity around you, uh, particularly when you're back in Mexico. How how does that feel? Um, and how do you kind of manage it? Because it must be quite intense. Yeah, I really, I mean... It's part of the of of the of the show, let's say. Uh, I've never dreamed with it. I never dreamed with being famous or having so much support or all of that. I think um, my main dream was related to track. You know, I wanted to be very successful on track. Um, I wanted to be the best driver in the world, and uh, I'm still chasing my dream. All the rest, it comes with it, you know, mm. and it's nice. I have to say that it's really nice, you know, to go back home and, and I mean, have all the support. I'm very lucky to have that because not many drivers get to experience that amount of, of support from their countries. Um, so I'm very lucky and privileged to have that. Um, but it comes with a price as well, you know, like uh, everyone knows you back home. Um, everyone knows where where you are, what you're doing. Everyone wants to 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 tell you how you can do better, uh, what you're doing right, what you're doing wrong. But but uh, it's part of the it's part of the game. 
but um, I have to say that um, I, at the end of the day, it is a privilege, and I'm a, a very lucky guy to to have all this. We should probably talk about the 2021 season. Um, yours with Red Bull Racing, it's arguably been one of the most intense in the past few years. How has it been from your side? Yeah, it's been very intense. You know, the fact that we are on my first year with Red Bull Racing, fighting for the World Constructors Championship, and Max is fighting for the drivers. Um, it's like I didn't have that process of adaptation that generally is good, you know, for drivers to have, you know, when, when the car is competitive but not winning the championship or not, like, able to win the championship. And I came straight into it with no adaptation, and it's been a great challenge. It's been really intense from my from my side. A lot of things to learn. I think I've worked as hard as ever, you know, in my adaptation to the team, to to all my engineers. So it hasn't been easy, um, but we are working and we are giving our very best. Do you find that you thrive? I mean, when I speak to other Formula One drivers and when I have for this podcast, there's a sense of thriving in adversity and in challenge and seeing that as the kind of the motor behind um, what they do. Are you are you the same as that? Do you thrive in, in adversity? Yeah, um, I don't see it that way. I just, um, yeah, you go through good and bad times. And uh, I've always seen that you learn more from the bad times. And um, yeah, the most important thing is, is not to give up, you know, and always look ahead. There's always a new opportunity. There's always a new day and uh, you can do better tomorrow. Of course. I mean, one of Tag Heuer's biggest values is this idea of having the courage to push limits and to kind of strive for the best and never give up, um, which is obviously very fitting for racing drivers. What would you say has been the farthest you've pushed yourself in the sport? And do you still have farther to go? Um, I think every every time, every time there is a new challenge, every time uh, you face a new... This is the beauty of this sport, you know, that it's not always the same. I've been in the sport for 11 years and I'm still learning new new ways because the, the sport is constantly evolving. So you are always facing new challenges, new ways of driving, new ways of communicating to your team. Um, so I think you don't stop. It's not like uh, yeah you have the experience and you know what to do and, and you don't have to work anymore. This sport pushes you to your absolute maximum and is not only on track, off track as well, you know. Um, so it's, it's why I, I love and I enjoy so much Formula One because it's always a new challenge. Uh, it never gets boring. It, it never gets old. Um, there's always a lot of, of changing involved, a lot of uh, things you've got to learn. So would you say that you... I mean, a lot of people don't enjoy change. Do you do you enjoy change? Is that something that you kind of um, revel in in your life? Yeah, well, I, I, I enjoy the fact that you always have to to give you 100%. When you are at the sport at this level, uh, you can never, like, rely and, and rest and uh, no matter what situation you're in, either if, let's say, you have a long-term contract or you don't have a drive or... Um, or you've won a lot of races, or or you are the previous champion, or whatsoever. You always have to perform, and uh, you always have to go for the maximum every single weekend. And 
try that perfection weekend after weekend. It's what I love the most, you know, trying to the, the level that we compete in. It's uh, it's great because you are competing against the best, the very best drivers in the world and the very best teams in the world. So there's no time to rest back. I mean, we should probably talk about one of your biggest recent successes, uh, which was early in November, you were made the first Mexican driver to finish on the podium in your home country, which must have been an extraordinary feeling. Um, can you describe that moment for us? Yeah, that was a very nice moment for myself, for my career, you know, because I had all the people that has been with me since day one. Um, and uh, yeah, you cannot forget the fact that uh, at this time last year, I didn't have a drive, you know, I, I would mm. probably have ended up my career in Formula One if Red Bull didn't give me the opportunity. Um, and uh, yeah, just to have all my, my fans, my, my, my crowd, my family, all the people that have been with me since day one. Uh, Carlos Slim, my main supporter of my career since day one, gave me the trophy, you know? So it was very, very unique, very, very special moment for, for both of us. And, uh, and yeah, it was, it was great, but uh, it's not enough. I want to win my, my home Grand Prix one day. I'm sure it will happen. Um, I, I'm really eager to kind of get inside your mind uh, when you're preparing for a race, when you're in the race and after the race. You know, as I said, this podcast is all about kind of discovering what happens at the edge when we push to our limits. So speaking specifically when you're when you're preparing, generally before a big race, do you have a specific routine that you follow? Is there a kind of ritual? Um, how do you manage your nerves? I'm, I think I'm pretty relaxed in that, in that regard, like, because you are always different every day. Um, you have something in your mind or you, you are going through a bad moment personally or, or a great moment, or you have a lot of commitments to do, or you have no commitments. So, so you can, I feel like there's no point on always trying to do the same thing. I always like to, to be able to, to adapt to the situation. So you don't you don't have like a lucky pair of pants or you don't eat something specific in the morning before racing. <laughs> so you've done very, very well uh, and you particularly did well in the two or three races prior to your big win in Mexico. Had you changed your strategy in some way? No, I think I'm just getting more adapt to the car, to the team. Um, in that regard, I think things are getting better uh, as we speak. And um, yeah, I'm just learning more about the car. For the Mexican race, um, how nervous were you before? Did you feel that pressure from the supporters or from internally? I mean, yeah, you, you have, let's say, more more pressure in your home country because you want to, to give the very best to them. If there is a race where you don't want to fail, it's that one. Um, try <laughs> making sure that you go through lap one with no incidents, but gaining positions or having a good start. It's not easy, you know, it's not so not so easy to manage before the race, you know, everyone is looking at you, uh, shouting your name, but you have to disconnect from everything and, and you have to, to, to go into your into your zone and and uh, yeah, don't let any noise distract you from what you, you gotta do. I, I found it really interesting doing this podcast and talking to a lot of sports people and there seems to be this kind of general 
um, adoption of mindfulness in the way that they approach what they do and this kind of getting in the zone idea where you have to empty your mind of everything that's going on and really focus do you practice anything like that do you have anyone that helps you with anything like that or is it just something that comes to you naturally I think it's something that that comes to you naturally and by experiencing other Mexican races for example you know like you have to, at the end of the day, yeah, the people are there to cheer you and, and to support you. And no matter what result you will have, they will be there. But the most important and the best way you can make them happy uh, is to perform at your very best. And to do that, I feel like you have to disconnect, you know, like there can be a lot of noise out there. But once you close the visor, there's zero noise. Or once once you have to fully focus into it, there has to be absolutely zero noise. And uh, it's not easy to reach. Um, but when when I look back to it, uh, I even surprise myself, you know, of how I'm... Uh, when I watch the race on TV and so on, it's like how, how I was able to disconnect from all this uh, support, from all these uh, people cheering me. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't an easy one and you watch yourself back after every race is that right no not really no. <laughs> so only okay, the races good. i do well i i watch uh, <laughs> when i do bad um yeah i don't i don't like watching them um yeah i just learn from it and move on <laughs> Um, one of the things that, again, a lot of sports people say is they have to switch off from social media because, you know, again, that that noise can be very distracting, particularly in a lead up to an event or a race. Is that something that you you do too? Yeah, yeah, I think social media um, has become too much um, in the last couple of years. You know, um, not I, and I don't think just for sportsmen, even for for normal people. Um, I mean, the amount of time that we spent on it uh, during a day, it's just, I think, unacceptable. Um, so I'm I'm not a big fan of it, I have to say. that uh, I think it's a great tool as a sportman, you know, to, to engage with your fans, um, with your brands. But, but it has to be a limit and a balance. Um, so, so, yeah, um, I think it's important to... To make sure you control the amount of time, uh, as, and as well, not just as a sportman, as a human being, to to make sure you you control the time you dedicate and and try to to minimize it. Yeah, it's good advice for everyone. I would say um, we should talk a little bit more about the race in Mexico. Um, you were in a great position, number four, for this race. Uh, what are you thinking at that moment before you before you go, or are you is your mind blank, or are you thinking about certain bends? What, what what's what's going through your brain? I'm thinking to try to to have the best possible start I possibly can, the best reaction to the lights, and the best positioning to turn one. You know, to make sure I'm able to overtake. Mm. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking at the time. But um, it can go right, it can go wrong. Uh, but that's my my thinking, you know. And then I I focus after I go I've gone through turn one. Then I start to think about the the race pace because it can all of a sudden change what's what's happening in your race on lap one. Mm. I mean, are there there must have been key moments in that race which you can now look back on and think that's why I managed to make it onto the podium. 
Are there, are there any that you can share with us? Well, I think the main one was to get P2 from Lewis, was to, to do the undercut. Mm. There was a very critical lap that uh, I think if, he, if, if Mercedes didn't react to it, we would have reacted and got P2, which would have been great, you know, for, for our team. Um, mm. But, um, yeah, not, I think in general it was a good start. Uh, we had a good one, and, uh, and that just helped to to make the progress and have a good a good, a good race but um yeah i think p2 was so close that um, i i mean we haven't had a one two this season uh, and to have that one in my country would have been great <laughs> um i mean it, obviously you know you're the person out there on the track doing what you do but you know as we as we all know formula 1 is a real team sport um, during that race, we could hear Lewis Hamilton complaining about not being able to detach himself from you and complaining about his team. How would you describe the teamwork that went into your success in that race? Uh, well, my team is is big part of 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 the result. What we do on on track, off track, the the preparations leading up to the races. It's a lot of work that we do and a lot of preparation that we are doing um, all together. So, yeah, we are a team at the end of the day. Um, everyone is very important. Everyone's job, it's key to our success. Mm. I mean, I, I'm intrigued to know once you finish the race, I mean, what is the feeling? Is it an enormous sense of relief? Do you feel your body kind of letting go of the tension? Um, are you kind of flooded with endorphins or are you stressed about kind of where you've come and what you've done? What's the what's the general feeling that you have at the end of a race? And specifically mm. that race. Yeah. It really depends on the race. It depends. Of course. Uh, on that race, yeah. It's it's about like uh, the, the lead up into it is so intense, you know. I think we start from since Tuesday. So it gets very intense. A lot of commitments, a lot of of, uh, of noise behind you. But once I'm a, I'm able to finish the weekend, um, it's just like a relief, you know. Like oh, okay, this one is done. Let's go on to the next one. Um, so yeah, that can be a bit of a relief. But um, if not, if it's a bad result, then it's like oh, my goodness, um, it's okay. I just have to move on. <laughs> I'm racing next weekend, so um, yeah. But especially Mexico, I think it's a big, a big relief. Like, like I'm able to breathe differently once, uh, once I cross the finish line. Uh, does that mean that you are constantly tightly wound throughout the entire season? I mean, given that you're racing so much and that you're kind of having to prep for new tracks constantly, um, are you? Are you? Do you find that you're constantly in a kind of state of preparedness? Yeah, we are constantly preparing. Um, as I say, the season is so intense that I mean, we are we are playing a World Cup every weekend, pretty much every mm. fifteen days or so. So we every every race is so important, so critical that we we want to perform at our best, not just as a driver, as a team. And um, yeah, that's something that we we really pushing hard to to do. I'm intrigued to know how um, the celebrations went after your Mexican race. Uh, did you manage to celebrate or did you kind of have to keep a lid on it? 
the, the, the main thing is that we're still on COVID days. So it wasn't so easy to 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 party on zone with all, all the people. But um, yeah, I managed to have a couple of drinks um, during that night because uh, we were actually racing in, in Sao Paulo um, the weekend after. So um, yeah, couldn't, <laughs> let's say, couldn't have a big hangover. So... Uh, yeah, we we had to to fly the couple couple of days after the race into Sao Paulo. So it was like, okay, it happened, but we we're looking into the next race. Of course. Um, so that obviously must have been a real highlight for the season thus far. Can you share any other highlights that have really stuck out for you? Um, well, obviously winning for the first time with my team uh, with Red Bull. Um, getting that first victory was very nice uh, mm. in, in Baku. At my sixth race with the team, that was nice. Um, and obviously my podium at, at my home Grand Prix. Um, but the main one, I really hope I'm, I'm able to bring the Constructors title to, to the team. I mean, you've extended your contract with Rebel Racing. What is it that has made you want to stay? And did you expect to want to stay? Um, I really enjoy working with the team, to be honest, uh, with the with a group of people, with the engineers, with the Red Bull culture, with the with the brand itself. You know, Red Bull it's a huge brand, and yeah, it is a lot of work. You know, relative to to what I what I used to in other teams, um, Red Bull is a massive brand, and but I I, I enjoy, and uh, you know, I I really feel great part of it. I'm working great with Max, with the race engineers, with um, all the team in general, and yeah, I, I, I'm. I think to me, at this stage I am in my career, uh, the most important is I enjoy it. Um, the time that I don't enjoy, it's the time I have to go home, you know, because uh, I don't need anymore to be here. You know, I I I'm here because I fully believe that I can be a world champion. And because I enjoy working with with my team, that's uh, that's it. And and uh, I'm very thankful to Red Bull to extending my contract. Um, I'm intrigued. I mean, for for those who may not know, you, you're saying that at Red Bull Racing, it's it's a lot more work than being in other teams. Can you touch on on why and and exactly what that kind of work entails? Well, first of all, the the brand Red Bull Red Bull brand is it's. You know, you have a lot of commitments. We have a lot of partners, um, so therefore it keeps you busy <laughs> as a driver. But also on the on the track side, you 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 normally fighting for the world championship. Uh, if not, you're trying to. So off track, on track, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of demand. You are on the spotlight all the time. So that that's make it makes it very very intense um, compared to to a team that let's say is not fighting for the world championship or does is not a big as a big brand as um, Red Bull is so yeah that that makes it more more challenging yeah of course I mean, away from the track you I've read that you have said that you would be a lawyer if you weren't a formula 1 racing driver I can't really figure out the connection between the two <laughs> what what do you think it is in you that um that kind of would want to be a lawyer? Uh, well, a lawyer or a banker, you know, I think okay. it shares a bit the, the, the adrenaline that we, we live every day into, into, into our lives. 
um, I quite like the adrenaline, and uh, I think, I mean, those jobs really give you that adrenaline, um, certainly. But um, but yeah, um, something related to sport, I, I'll say as well. You know, mm. um, probably a lawyer that helps uh, the sportsmen getting down their contracts, or kind of a manager. Um, I don't know something something I I really like the life that is related to sport. You know, living with that thinking how you can do better, how you can be better. And that's something I really like. Um, your family is obviously a very big part of your life and they often attend the races. Would you like to see your children following in your footsteps? Given that you started when you were six, I mean, <laughs> it's something that could happen. I mean, it's a, it's a tough, tough career, I have to say. I mean, I, I guess every career to make it onto the top, you know, to, to get into the highest level of your sport, it takes a lot from you, um, but I think if my kids are willing to to do it and they they're willing to to give it all and and to be to be successful to be very professional uh, at a very young age, I'm more than happy to support them. You know, I think as a dad, um, I had all the support from my from my parents, so I'll do the same for my kids. It doesn't matter for me if they want to be a Formula One driver or or if they want to be a lawyer. Uh, I will support them in whatever they want to do, but I will push them to be their best, you know, to to make sure they give their best. I mean, if they if they don't have the the talent to to be the best, at least they have to to make sure they they give it all. Uh, and that for me is the most important, you know. Sometimes you don't have the talent to to make it, and uh, and it can get very frustrating, but. For me, the most important is they give their all in whatever they want to do. Um, competition is very high these days, so um, I want to teach my my kids to to give it all in in whatever they do. You know, to to make sure they they are passionate about what they they want to do. Fabulous. Well, I have two more questions before we finish. The first, uh, looking ahead, uh, check out. What are your kind of biggest goals? I guess for the rest of the season, but also for 2022 well for the rest of the season i want to bring the constructor title home um mm -hmm. and for next season i want to be in, in the fight for the world championship myself uh, we we start with the new rules with new cars we always start from zero so that's the main the main thing for me to, to try to get there and finally uh looking at six-year-old checo starting in his go-kart what would you say to him now? What advice would you give him? I will just tell him, you know, to enjoy, enjoy the ride. Um, don't worry so much about uh, every single bad race, every single bad moment. Just enjoy, uh, learn from them, and make sure you are always happy. Um, that will be my biggest, my biggest um, advice to to the young Checo, and also. Uh, to never give up of course fabulous um Checo, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to us and good luck for the rest of the season uh, it's been brilliant having you at the edge thank you very much for the invitation thanks so much thank you for joining us at the edge a podcast by tag hoyer don't forget to subscribe on spotify itunes or wherever you get your podcasts the Edge is also an online magazine. 
Go to magazine.taghoyer.com for more articles, interviews, and photo series that bring together our love of watches and our desire to push ourselves to the edge of our limits. I'm your host, Theo van den Broeke. Until next time, keep an eye out. This is The Edge.